and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters about, yes, you guessed it, copywriting. My name is Kate Toon. I'm a copywriter. I'm the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the Recipe for SEO Success eCourse. And this is my co-host, Belinda Weaver. Hi there, everyone. I'm also a copywriter. I'm the founder of the Copywriting Masterclass and Copyright Matters. When today we're going to be talking about something quite close to our hearts, I think, uh, copywriter confidence or the lack of it. I think if any of you out there have not had a confidence wobble in your journey towards being a copywriter, then you're better people than we are because I think Belinda and I have had many a wobble along the way. Is that right, Belinda? Oh, yes. <laughs> so what I did was I actually spoke to lots of members of my uh, copywriting community about the things that had kind of freaked them out along the way um, with their confidence. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take each one of these little confidence wobbles and kind of break it down and try and give you some tips on how to deal with it and just generally talk about it because I think often it's reassuring to know that everyone else worries about the same thing. I think part of the, you know, what we're going to talk about is looking at other people. But when you look at other successful copywriters, it looks like they've got it all down pat and everything's so easy for them. But what you don't realise is they're freaking out just as much. So, Yeah, totally. And I think we've talked about this before on lots of our podcasts and also on our social media that Belinda and I are big believers in trying to make your competitors, your cheerleaders, your your, your cheer squad. Um, Belinda and I have been very into sort of setting up communities of copywriters and bringing copywriters together and going, hey, look, yeah, we are all competing for the same clients sometimes, but we don't have to fight about it. We can all love each other. Isn't that right? Yeah. Well, didn't we? I'm not sure we coined the phrase, but I do love the phrase co-opetition where, oh. you know, if you can't help someone and you can refer them to another copywriter who can, you look like a champ and you may even get more business from it. Exactly. And, you know, you, lots of you may not know the story of how um, Belinda and, and me met. In fact, I'm not sure I fully know it, but I think it happened. Belinda, you can correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but I think we were we were tweeting at each other and like admiring each other's tweets from afar. And then I think I, I, I built a little community in Google and Belinda was one of the first people I invited and she came willingly into the open bosom of my community. And then we were good buddies. Is that is that what happened? So yeah. What? Yes. No, I, that's exactly how I um, remember it. I was kind of in awe of you a little bit. Um, so it was... I was, I was in awe of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get us high fives. And then there was, of course, you know, our secret mud wrestling meetings and stuff like that. that yeah, the mud wrestling. Yeah. Good times. Good times. But yes, we had a little community full of uh, copywriters and, and that was one of the ways that Belinda and I built up our confidence. But anyway, I am babbling. So why don't we get into some of... The blurts, the blurts, the confidence blurts that um, the members of the Clever Copywriting community gave us. And the first one is all about that favorite, comparing yourself to others. And it's from Jenny DeLacy. And she says uh, she used to compare herself to everyone else. And she doesn't think that's a good idea. It's a guaranteed confidence wobble for me. Always has been in any job. And she recommends focusing on customers and their feedback. Have you ever played the comparison game, Belinda? All the 
time. <laughs> and it's, it can really, it can really knock your confidence. But um, as Jenny says, if you start focusing on what everyone else is doing, um, you stop focusing on what you're doing. So it sounds a bit woo-woo, but I always just say you have to just be more awesome. Concentrate yeah. on what you're doing and being more awesome and kind of, it's good to look at what other people are doing to get ideas and stuff like that, but don't wrap your anchor around it. Yeah, and I think Belinda actually boosted my confidence on this the other day because I'd, I'd seen something or other and, and I said, you know, were you aware of this? And she's like, no, no, I kind of have my blinkers on. I kind of look around occasionally, but generally I kind of don't look at what other people are doing. And I was like, really? That's awesome. And I, I'm trying to do a lot more of that now because it does just make you feel rubbish, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Because you, you feel inadequate then. So rather than focusing on what you're doing really well, um, you begin to focus on what you're not doing and you lose perspective on what you are doing really well, which is what other people are looking at and making themselves feel inadequate. So it's this whole trickle-down effect of awfulness, really. Totally. And I think, you know, everyone does that thing where they compare the worst of themselves to the best of other people. So, you know, you might be brilliant at writing blog posts, but you don't compare your blog posts with other blog posts. You compare yourself with the fact that other people are making videos and you're not making videos. So, you know, you don't compare apples with apples. You compare apples with something else, kumquats or yeah. grapefruits. And I think as well, you don't know the full picture. You really, nobody knows what's going on behind the scenes. You know, someone could look super successful, but they could be working 100 hours a week or, you know, they, they could be making no money at all. I often see a lot of people posting an awful lot on social media really really awesome stuff and I'm like how do you do that but then I kind of go well gosh are they actually working are they making money you know so it's you don't know anyone's true story so um yeah I think that's important yeah that's right so the, I think the lesson there is don't get hung up on what other people are doing run your own race and concentrate on what you're doing well and you are awesome remember that we told you we're telling you right now I have to put on an American accent when I say things like that. I just do. Absolutely. It just sounds more authentic, doesn't it? It does. It does. So what's the next one on our list? Um, this one was from Lisa Cropman, and she talks about answering the phone, and I totally get this. She says, answering the phone gives me palpitations. Oh, yes. Uh, she says, I didn't know if it was a potential new client or a dentist reminding me that I needed clean and polish. <laughs> so she says, now I don't answer the phone. <laughs> and yeah. if I do, I take control using a phone script I drew up, which has all the questions I should ask. And this one is close to my heart because, honestly, um, getting my little cubbyhole office in my house um, really made me more phone phobic than I was. And when the phone rings, even now, my husband and I tend to look at it and it's like, what? who what (laughs) we'll just wait till it goes to voicemail and we'll call them back which is kind of ridiculous but we we live online and we've I've created that rod for my back but it is really important to jump on the phone with potential clients because you can sell your story often a lot more effectively over the phone and so I just knew I had to suck it up we've talked about cold calling before so I still would never do any cold calling but like uh, Lisa I make some notes, I get my big girl underpants on and I pick up the phone and I make the phone calls I need to. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I've actually removed my phone number from a lot of my websites, partially just because, you know, you do get a lot of calls and not all of them are helpful. And I'd rather people approach me the way I want to be approached, which is by my contact form. Gosh, I sound an arrogant beast. (laughs) When I started out, you know, if you want to get clients, you have to answer the phone. It's just the way of it. And I see lots of copywriters going, I don't want you. And it's like, I'm sorry, mate. You know, that's part of being in business. You know, it's not all just sitting there writing. You do have to run 
the business side of it. So I think uh, Lisa's suggestion of having a script is fantastic. I've, I've never done that. Um, it's something that even now I'm thinking, oh, I should I should create one of those because as you may have noticed on these podcasts, I have a tendency to babble. Um, and I almost can talk myself out of a job because I just, I fill the silence. Oh, I do that too. Fill yeah, the silence. The client hasn't said anything like positive. So I'm like, but you know, if you don't really want me or I'm too expensive, that's fine. Um, um, um. You know, whereas an email, I'm eloquent and organized and fabulous. Um, so I think this fine script is a great idea. I too often let it go to voicemail and call straight back. Because then you can just, you know, avoid the people you want to avoid and, you know, deal with the people you want to deal with. So, yeah, I think a phone, a script is a brilliant idea, though. So. Yeah, I, I find with the scripting, as you know from working on these podcasts as well, I just find the process of scripting a conversation helps me just, it's like a practice. It's a dress rehearsal for me. So even if it goes off topic and it's nothing like what I wrote down, for me, it's a little mental dry run of the conversation, which sounds, you know, it's just having a conversation. It's not that tricky, but it's so super common for people to feel really anxious about telephone calls. So, you know, to say, oh, it's silly to feel anxious is not helping anyone because we all feel anxious (laughs) about it and just making some notes. And the other thing is almost um it's a little bit of play role acting yeah or role play. that's exactly what that's the word I meant but um <laughs> you know pretending you're the super successful confident copywriter that you actually are can yeah. help you just take you know be a bit more grounded and sound a bit more con- uh, confident yeah like look in the mirror before you make that call and just say I am awesome <laughs> Another thing I think is that the reason people get scared about the phone is they're fearful they're going to get put on the spot. And often, you know, the people who are calling you are much better at this kind of thing than you are. So they say things like, well, can you just tell me the price right now? I want to know the price. How much is it going to cost? You know, when? And you're like, uh, 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 and uh, you feel like you have to tell them a price, even if you're not comfortable giving them a price or you have to give them like, can you get it done tomorrow? Can you? Can you? Can you? And you're like, oh, my God. And you end up agreeing to things or saying to things that you then I'll put the phone down and go, why did I say that? So I think, you know, the script is a good idea, but also having a few pre-prepared lines that say things like, well, I'd love to give you a quote, but what I'd like to do first is really think through the job properly and I'll come back to you with a price after this call. You know, don't let the client drive the conversation. Have a few little stock lines that you that you can use. And yeah. if the worst comes to the worst, just put the phone down. Yeah. <laughs> run away, run away. Run away. Or just say, hey, I'm so sorry, we got cut off. I don't know what happened. It's crazy. <laughs> it's just a really bad line. Really bad line. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not... But yeah, those stock lines, like if you feel a bit weird about scripting a phone call that hasn't happened, just think about those little stock lines. What are the questions you might get asked and have some nice little responses that help you say no in a a nice way? Oh, learning to say no. We must do that podcast. That can go on our list. Well, the next one is from Jodie Gibson, and it's also about communicating. Um, And hers, you know, she says, my confidence wobbles were, and to some extent still are, about verbal communication. Uh, Just touching on what we we talked on, being put on the spot with questions that I knew the answer to, but they come out wrong and fumbly, that really rocks my confidence. Um, She's getting better the more clients she deals with and knows now that verbal communication is inevitable. So similar there. So that's kind of reassuring. Um, And I think, you know, Belinda and I have this too you know we're, we're, we're getting to the stage where we're getting interviewed a bit more and you, you know, you're on a podcast with someone and you, you've got all these questions arranged and then some, suddenly they throw this curveball and you're like oh my god 
I don't know what to say now, you know, and it can be. So I think that I don't know if that ever really goes away. I think we're all scared of being asked that question that we don't know the answer to and then thinking, well, everything's now going to unravel. I look like a charlatan. I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, my God, it's the end of the world. Do you have that, Belinda? Yeah, exactly. And one technique I use, especially in interviews and stuff like that, is I say to myself before I start, it's okay if I don't know the answer. I mean, this goes back to job interviews as well. It's okay if I don't know the answer. It's okay if I take my time answering because it just means I'm giving a thoughtful response. So yep. I do that little self-talk and um, and I'm happy to say, oh, you know, I, I might need to have a think about that for a second. You know, stuff like that. So yep. you don't have to answer within five microseconds of a question being asked. Just yep. tell yourself, be thoughtful. Um, if you have to, take the time off the call and come yep. back later. And I think as well, you know, often when you're speaking at live events, you know, that the terror of the audience throwing you a question that you don't know the answer to and you have to kind of admit that in front of 600 odd people. And I think it's fine again to say, you know what, that's a really good question and I I actually don't have an answer to that right now. I'm actually going to go away and have a, have a think about that. How about we connect after this and uh, we can talk about that. And, it, you know, it doesn't make you look like a, an idiot. It makes you look like curious and it also makes the questioner look like, well, what a great question. Question because no one can know the answer to everything. Yeah, you know, that's right. The collective wisdom in the room is always going to be more than your own, you know, one person versus 600 people. Uh, so I think that that was a big challenge for me when I first started doing public speaking, you know, the horror of uh, being asked that random question. But now I think I've got a few answers. I would probably still cry on stage though. Uh, <laughs> or at least in the lose afterwards. Yeah, but I'm good with that. I'm good with the crying. Uh, what's the next one? I think it's similar, I guess. Well, the next one's about meeting clients yes. and it's from Rashida and um, it, said, it says having to call a client for a chat or a project, actually having to go and see them, <sighs> uh, prepare like mad before, read up on them and, and make notes on anything else I could um, find to give myself a boost and show that I knew my stuff. Now it doesn't bother me at all. So the first interesting point is things that you find nerve-wracking and terrifying now, there will come a point that you... They, you don't even give them a second thought and that's all about practicing which is why it's important not to avoid things that terrify you um, but yeah to prepping a bit for calls um, prepping for meetings and stuff like that can help you just feel well funnily enough a bit more prepared do you I never really met clients though did you Kate I did a bit so um yeah so Rashida I just want to say her second name so that we we can give all her right. a little pump I, I just find it hard to say but it's Rashida Teabali Bali Shushal be very cross with me for saying that wrong but yeah um I think Rashida's like you know a few years in now and, and obviously has met quite a few clients I find the longer I go on the less or the less or the fewer gosh I'm so bad at this English thing the less clients I meet the fewer clients I meet um I generally meet online or via Skype but in the early days I did and I think meeting clients it puts a whole different range of confidence issues out there it's not just the communicating it's how do I look what do they think of me? You know, does my breath smell? Have I got something on my top? You know. Um, I always found that when I meet people face to face, some part of my brain is going, look like you're listening. Mm-hmm. I know. Right. Yes, don't giggle. Don't get distracted, Belinda. Don't get distracted. And so then I'm like, oh, no, I didn't actually listen to what they're saying. I know. They're asking me a question. <laughs> Totally, you have to like prod yourself in the leg with a fork to sort of look like you're. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little anecdote here just to make you feel a bit better, Rashida. Um, I once went to a meeting and it went so well. It was like four men in the room and I did this great presentation and it was all awesome. And I, they left and they were like, you're great, shook hands, went to the bathroom and realized that the shirt I was wearing was unbuttoned 
down to pretty much my navel. <laughs> I am not kidding you. So, I mean, it went well. I got the job, but maybe not the way I wanted to. And this is a top tip for anyone watching. We can make this into a meme. Don't wear shirts to interviews because these buttons are pesky little critters. And that's what happened to me. It was mortifying. That's pretty funny. Linda's just gone quiet with horror. But there's also <laughs> that thing where you come out and find out that you've got a bit of baby food on your top or there's been a bit of something wedged in your teeth the whole way through. Oh, I've but done the unbutton thing as well. And just, just you just did that deliberately, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I really like to get the job, Kate. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's important when you're meeting clients to think they're just people too. They are probably, you know, they may be more au okay fait with, with meeting people, but, you know, maybe they haven't worked with a copywriter before. They don't know what to expect. So, you know, I think often you can go into these situations almost thinking it's like they're an adversary. Is that the right word? Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is a, you know, you're coming in to kind of pitch and whoa, whoa, whoa. But really, if you think of it more as like a casual chat between two business chums who might end up working together, I think that always works. Um, and the other one is to imagine them naked, but I think often that can be more damaging than helpful. Yeah, I find that kind of horrifying and distracting. Yeah, unless they're really hot, and then it can be awesome. And the next one is all about quoting, and it's from Anne Mabus. Hello, Anne Mabus. And she says uh, she was com- not confident about quoting, of course, but also having my terms and conditions accepted once I had them. It seemed to be a monster effort to have people accept that I couldn't just drop what I was doing and start their job and that payment would be up front. Looking back now, I wonder if it was my own wobbles communicating themselves to my clients. I think that's an interesting point. There's two things there. So I think quoting is hideous. I don't think it ever goes away. I don't think it ever stops being completely unhideous. Um, but I think there are ways that you can mitigate that. So, you know, if there's a job that I really want now or a really big job, even I still get the wobbles sometimes and go, I wonder if they're going to accept this. Uh, or you get that post quote wobble where you go, where they actually accept it and you go, I wonder if I could have charged more. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, not to give myself a little promo here, but I've just put together a little pricing course that takes through all these different angles and how to quote and how to earn more money and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think quoting ever stops being hideous. Do you, Belinda? No, and you exactly what you said, where you put the quote together. For me, I'd be like, cruel, that seems like a lot of money. Yeah. And I'd find myself taking it down and then yeah. I'm like whoa 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 why am I why am I making this cheaper so it takes pricing for me is all about confidence yeah um but it doesn't make it less um it's less terrible and that's not the word um it's really uh anxiety building to hand the quote over because what you're saying is I am worth this much money yeah and that can be tough and then as you said when you they say yes so quickly you go oh Damn it. Maybe I'm worth more. Yeah, and I think, but I think that's an important step to go. It's, it's kind of going, it's not about me being worth this much. The product that I'm providing you is worth this much. I'm worth way more. I'm worth a million dollars, but I'm only going to charge you this much for this. And I think there's lots of things that can help with that quoting confidence. I think having a really good formula on how you quote, which we've, we've covered in um, previous uh, podcasts. And I think also, you know, having a good flow of work. So if you have, if you're quoting for six jobs that day it's like yeah whatever so I don't you know this one wins I'm good if that one wins I'm good but it's not such of a big deal yeah whereas if you've got one job and it's your only job this week then you know you kind of 
sweaty, get sweaty about it, don't you? Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's just, you know, if you've done similar jobs before and you've quoted on similar work before, that can also just build your confidence because you're confident in your skill and the value that you're bringing to the table. So it can just be helpful to remind yourself that you're worth every penny. And, or as you said, more. But <laughs> <laughs> And I think another really quick way to get around that quote anxiety is to feel the client out beforehand. I don't mean literally, I mean figuratively. So shoot them a quick email and say, look, I've done a couple of projects like this before and it came in roughly at around blah to blah. You know, and the blah to blah can be a $500 difference, a $1,000 difference. And then you'll get an immediate response from them saying, yeah, that sounds okay. Or, wow, that's just hideous what are you talking about um, and then you know what it means is that you go into your quote with just a little bit more knowledge you know um, you, you're not going in there completely blind uh, and it might be helpful anyway that's something I try anyway. no I think that is that is a brilliant tip and that's why, you know, just before you, if you prepare a long proposal, which we've talked about before um, in other podcasts, what it can be helpful before you actually spend an hour on that document is to have that, here's a ballpark figure, is this going to freak you out? Conversation over email first. Yeah, totally. And uh, we'll include the link to my fabulous new pricing course in the notes if you want to learn more about all of this stuff because it's awesome. And Belinda teaches similar things on her course, I believe, as well. So yeah, um, yeah. we've got it. We've got it covered. So if you want to learn more about that stuff, uh, check out the links at the bottom of the show notes on the website. And the next one is from our friend Nicole Leadham. Yes, we love Nicole. Now she talks about her confidence wobbling pretty much every time she sends a quote and proposal and when she gets negative feedback. Um, so she says, finally, a question I'm qualified to answer. Nicole says her confidence wobbles pretty much every time she sends a quote and proposal, which we just talked about, seems quite common, and when she gets negative feedback. Oh, negative feedback. Oh, my God. Ew. Just the worst. Yeah. And even if you've had a hundred really successful projects where customers loved your words so much that they raved about you to everyone they knew, as soon as someone comes back and goes, yeah, no, I just don't really like it, I would just be wailing around my house going, <laughs> I'm the worst copywriter, which is not true, of course, but the point being that it can really knock your confidence if you don't nail it the first time. So for me, I would just have to remind myself that um, I was... I'm trying to meet their brief. These aren't my words. This is their copy and it's important that I get it right for them as long as they weren't personal about it. Um, and that part of the thing that I always did when I handed copy over is make sure that clients understood it was a collaborative process so that they understood that revisions were a normal part of the copywriting process. So that meant they were a bit more comfortable giving me revisions and I was a bit more comfortable getting them if it if it wasn't great. Um, and then for me, we've talked about this before, is process, process, process. So I think when you when someone says, I just don't like it, which is the worst, um, for me, go back to the brief and say, all right, well, let's talk to, through the information you told me and make sure it's still correct. Because then that basically says, well, you told me, all, I was just working from what you told me. So let's make sure that I've got the right impression. Well, how do you handle it, Kate? Well, I think, look, I think it's, 
it is really tricky and I think it can be very hard not to get defensive and go, yes. you know, say what you said, but say in a slightly different tone. Well, you told me, you know, yeah. get it into that voice, which is not the voice you want, you know, and it gets a bit wobbly and you start to think, I'm going to cry on the phone. Um, so I think often when you get that kind of feedback, your immediate reaction can be, go, can be to go, oh, you know, stupid client, you're wrong, I'm right, I'm brilliant, you know, and you can get quite like... <laughs> about it so I often find it's best to just you know come back to it later Uh as you said remember look do you want to sometimes you have to make a call between brilliant copy and copy that the client wants and sometimes they are not necessarily the same thing so I think it's important to put your argument forward and to explain why you've done what you've done but at the end of the day it's also important to know when to let go you know some copywriters just bang back and back and back and say no you're wrong you're wrong I'm right I've been doing this for 20 years you and it's like well that's great but it has to be what the client wants you know we're not we're not writing copy for ourselves here. Somebody is paying us to do it. So we can give them our best advice. If they choose to ignore it, we can either choose to walk away or we can choose to fix it how the client wants it. Do you agree? Yes, absolutely. Um, I was just talking about this on a coaching call this morning saying I would generally ha- express my opinion once and yes. just as a give, uh, give them some reasoning as to why I maybe did something the way I did it. More often than not, I had clients go, oh, okay. That yeah, makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. And if they say no, we don't agree. Okay. Well, let's talk about what you what you'd like the copy to do. So, because I'm not going to bang the drum over and over again. It's their uh, money and it's their copy. And I think the thing can be hard is, you know, when the client just says, "I just don't like it. I don't know why." That can That's be tough. really hard because you know then you have to kind of have some kind of quite painful discussion about why. But if the client, for example, I had this happen just this morning, how, how relevant. So I'd written some poster copy for a client with a you know punchy tagline and they came back and said, oh, you know, we really want the, the, the tagline, the, the big line, the headline to be punchy and to draw people in and to do this. And I was like, but it is punchy and it does draw people in. And it, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I it did everything it did. So I kind of, I said that and I was like, you know, I think it works. It's a question. It's drawing people in. I think it's unusual. But if you really don't like it, here are four other alternatives, you know? And that, because that, that's, so I've made my point. I push back. But if they really don't like it, they really don't like it. And that's just them's the breaks. But I think you said earlier, you know, it, if it's personal, if they're rude, if they're writing emails to you in capitals um, and being obnoxious, you know, th- you don't have to deal with that. That would knock anybody's confidence and make anybody feel bad. But that's nothing to do with you as a writer. It's got everything to do with them as a client. So it's important to understand that distinction, I think. Yeah, that's right. And, and never reply angry. No. Or hurt. Yeah. The, the point you said, Kate, you've got to walk away. You've got to get a grip on your emotions. Hail, I mean, you can draft a reply, put it in your drafts and then delete it later. But if that makes you feel better, then that's fine. But never reply to a client when you're hurt or angry. And that's how you can feel when someone, you know, gives you negative feedback after you've had quite a lot of negative feedback, no matter how experienced you are. Yeah. It's just we have little feelings and we they do. get we hurt. Just top tip here, don't write the draft in your email drafts. Write it in Word or Notepad. Because sometimes I I had an example when one of my copywriters shut down their email and she had it set up, whereas any emails that were left (gasps) would get sent at the end of the day. That was not a good day for that particular copywriter. Um, Anyway, so just write it somewhere else. You don't accidentally send it, as I have been known to do too. Okay, the next one is an anonymous one, which I really like. And this um, says, for me, the overwhelming, the thing that 
rocks this person's confidence is the overwhelming and constant question of what if I'm just really bad at this? There's no way of knowing how good your copy is when you send it. You know, you can use your instinct, you can have a checklist, you know, but sometimes, you know, you just don't know. Even if you've done a course like Belinda's where she goes through and actually marks your work and gives you her opinion, you can't do that with every piece of copy that you're going to write for the rest of your life. And sometimes you can just think, I'm Maybe I'm not very good. <laughs> have yeah. you ever thought that? Or have you always thought you were fab? I always thought I was fab. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. It's um, it's the agonising, it's almost delicious agonising torture after you send a copy to a client, especially a new client you haven't worked with. I would be refreshing my email obsessively like some kind of maniac and if they hadn't replied after an hour I'd start going oh no maybe they've read it and they didn't like it and then wondering how to reply and I talk myself into a corner you know I've got much better at putting a big stop on that negative self-talk because it just backs me into an anxiety corner Um, and so I think you just you have to trust your instincts you have to remind yourself that you they've hired you for a reason You know more about it than they do, although sometimes clients don't always realize that. Um, But if I was feeling in doubt about maybe the angle that I took, if I was, you know, I love clients who want to be bold with their marketing, but if I was trying something really bold and I wasn't sure they were going to love it, I might send them like an early draft or I might chat through the idea first. And I know you do this, Kate, with like a a bit of a sample copy. And that can just help you know if you're on the right track because that's why you do it, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, I think what I found is I, I don't necessarily get that kind of what if I'm rubbish at this with small business clients because obviously I have a huge amount of experience writing for those guys. But I often find when I'm working with agencies, that's when my confidence wobble comes in because I know what it's like in agencies and I know how critical people can be. And you can be like, I find that really tough. Do you know what I mean? You've got to write one slogan to sum up the whole brands and that can take a whole day just to kind of not just write it, but get through. Is it any good? Is it any good? So, you know, and I also think you've just got to send it. And sometimes you isn't very good, you know, but you've got to do your best. You've got to send it. You can always polish it, you know, and not every job you do, it can be 150% awesomeness. Of course, there's going to be some times where you look back at the copyright and go, Looking at this now, I could have I could have done that a bit differently. That's just life, you know? That's so right. you can't let that crippling fear of ability stop you sending stuff because every copy deck you write, every word you write is making you a better copywriter. Um, so, you know, you just have to take it up and send it. That's right. And often I found that I get to a point where I'm like, I need input on this. I need to yeah. know this is if this is what they want. And um, that first round of revisions would make me feel a lot better. Um, yes. So, yeah, you just need to send it. And I'd, I'd say to the client, well, I just, I'm getting to a point where I really need your comments now. And that's yeah. okay. That's part of the process. Totally. And don't do that thing where you, you actually alert the client to the fact that you're not confident about what you've written. Oh, yeah. So, you know, don't send an email saying, look, I'm not 100% sure about this. I don't really like it, but I thought I'd just send it. Yeah. You know, or I don't really think this is my best work, but, you know, gosh, you know, don't do that. Because often I send stuff that I don't think is very good. And then the client comes back and they love it. And I read it the next day when I'm feeling a bit more positive about the world. And I love it too. So just be aware as well of how your mood can affect your opinion of your own writing. You know, if you're just having a bad day, everything you write can feel terrible, but it probably isn't. Um, So, yeah, I 
think that's an important one. Yeah, absolutely. Look, our next one's from Matt Fenwick, and he says his big wobble is just the, the constant uncertainty of not being absolutely 100% certain that I'll have work in, say, three months' time. He says he's not very optimistic, and that's a liability being self-employed. Having some basic faith that things may work out okay would mean a lot less time worrying. And I think that's exactly right. For me, what gave me confidence in my future was looking at, say, the last quarter. I'd go, well, I've got jobs for the last three months and that meant that my mechanism of marketing seems to be working. So there's no reason it won't work for the next three months and the next six months. In fact, all I can do is improve on it. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a wobble that I haven't had for a while. And I, and, and now that I have my, my, my community of copywriters, and I'm sure it's the same for you, Belinda, you know, I'm working with people who are a lot more at the beginning of their journey. Um, that sounds so silly. <laughs> You know what I mean? They haven't yes. been for very long. They haven't got the cash flow. They haven't got the network. Um, and, you know, it's a real worry. Can I make a go of this? Can I earn enough money for this to really be my life? And a lot of people, you know, are worried because it's, they've still got a full-time job and they want to give up that full-time job and do this full-time. And I, I'm not sure there's any easy answer to that because I think all people who own their own businesses are always going to worry about what's going to happen in three months' time. Um, I do think you get past the tipping point. Maybe that's around, I think for me, it was around the three-year mark where I was like, this is working. If it wasn't going to have worked, it would have stopped working by now. You know, um, I think they say, don't they, most restaurants fail in the first year or something like that, or is that most marriages? I don't know. But, you know, there does come a point where you're like, I have been now doing this for this many months. I have worked on this many clients, like Belinda said, look back. I have earned this much money. I have, you know, so creating some yardsticks to measure yourself again and looking at where you've come from. And also, you know, what's, I guess, you have to think about what's the worst that could happen, you know? Um, you would have to drop your prices. Would you have to write some stuff you don't want to write? Would you have to, I don't know. I mean, I think this is a real one and I'm not sure it's all about confidence necessarily. I think it is a reality, you know, a reality of running your own business is tough. And I think, look, at the end of the day, you know, one of the best ways to get clients is to get out and meet people and network, you know. And if you are constantly worried about the work coming in, then maybe say to yourself that once every X amount of months, you're going to go to some kind of networking event and your goal is going to be to get at least one client, you know, and just set yourself up little challenges like that so that you're clear, this is my worry, and this is how I'm going to address the worry. I'm not just going to let this worry niggle away at me month after month. I'm going to put some practical actions in place that are going to stop me worrying about this. Because it's like, fine, I'm worried about this today. But look, I'm going to this networking event next week. I'm bound to get a client out of that. Okay, I can stop worrying. Yeah, and so, you know, that the other thing of the flip side of that with all these kind of things is um, self-awareness. You know, you have to be aware that you're painting yourself into a corner and talking yourself down yes. and stop that negative self-talk. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Yes. And next off the cab rank of lack of confidence is Rose Spagnalo. Again, forgive me if I said that wrong. And Rose is a newbie copywriter and her confidence is currently wobbly, wobbly around, you know, applying for jobs and putting herself forward to jobs because she's worried about her lack of experience. You know, so opportunities may be put in front of her, but she's worried that maybe she's not writing in her true style yet or the best of her ability. Um, and therefore, she's not putting herself out there, you know. Um, 
And again, I, I think that's a very real one. And I think lots of people get through this by taking hundreds and hundreds of courses and reading loads and loads and loads of books and reading loads and loads of blogs. Um, and while that is all great, there does come a point where you have to say, I am not buying another course. Now, obviously, Belinda and I don't want you to ever say that because we sell courses too. <laughs> you have to come to a point where you're like, I've learned all I can learn through learning. Now I need to learn by doing. And I think, you know, I have a lack of experience in certain types of writing, and Belinda will too. There's certain things that we don't feel 100% confident about writing. But the only way we're really going to learn it is to read about it, but then do it. Do it and get that feedback. So, and I think you price yourself at a point where you're a newbie copywriter, so the expectations on you are lower, uh -huh. you know, um, and then, you know, you can even say as a selling point to the client, you know, um, I'm just starting out on my journey. I'm happy to do this at this reduced rate because I really want to work with you. And, and you can learn on the job. That's absolutely fine. I did that. Um, and I think... You know, a lot of clients actually appreciate that. They want someone who can grow with them and they're happy to pay a little bit less. Yeah, maybe get someone with a bit less experience, but, you know, build a relationship together, I think. Yeah, I mean, having not enough experience is a really, really common confidence booster because you're just starting out. It's, it's what we've all been through. It's when um, you have to... Put your big girl pants on, pretend you're more confident than you are, stand in the superhero pose, all those kind of things into trick yourself into feeling more confident um, and sounding more confident. And, you know, applying for jobs, not applying for jobs, but, you know, sending proposals out and answering inquiries and stuff like that. It's a bit like a job interview. Um, sometimes you've just got to get through that initial chat. You've got to practice a lot. Um, you'll get some no's and you'll get some yeses. But the more you practice them, the more confident you'll feel so we want to finish off with some tips that have come again from um, these lovely copywriters in, in my community but also some tips of our own um, so one from Rose here um, she said that um, seeking out a mentor or a supportive group can be a great way to learn from others um, and you know both Belinda and I offer mentoring and um, Belinda you have a, a great group for your copywriting course uh -huh. but I'm also a member of groups like the Clever Copywriting school and and some other copywriting forums and, and groups where you just get to maybe have a sounding board with other professionals yes and I mean there are some very large groups on on Facebook such as uh, copy monk and uh, a few others we can put some links in and I think you've got to find a group that feels right for you some of those big copywriter groups can be can be a bit intimidating in their own and they can actually make you feel less confident rather than more confident so try and find a group that works for you with like-minded people and I think that can be very helpful and if you are lucky enough to be able to find a mentor whether it's a paid or a volunteer uh, mentor then that can be fabulous as well it's just somebody but another thing that I would suggest is you know trying to even just reach out to one other copywriter and having a buddy who is also doing what you're doing can be can be really helpful um, I know that I rely a lot on on Belinda's support and we, we try and help each other as much as we can and we steal each other's ideas and we, we encourage each other and you know it's, it's, it's really great do you know what I mean because yeah. we're, we're not totally we're not at the top of our game by any means so we need we have confidence bubbles too and it's and if nothing else it's a sanity check to yes. go 
am I bonkers about this? Am I being, am I having a bad day or is this wrong? Or, yeah. you know, or just having a little bit of a rant about, I don't know, a client or something like that. Sometimes you just need someone to go, no, no, that's wrong. Or yeah. no, maybe you're just having a bad day. So yeah, that that's a great role of a mentor or a supportive group. But then, yeah, Angela also said, talked about online, joining online groups, just to kind of be in a professional space with other copywriters and yeah. you can see the tips that they offer. You can often, you know, get great ideas from what other people are talking about but it's a great a great forum for you to show your expertise off as well once you get the confidence enough to actually leave a post which is my big thing I'll often sit and watch people for a while <laughs> until I feel confident enough to actually leave a comment myself but yeah. that is great for your confidence there's nothing wrong with lurking we all lurk now and again Catherine Pranick had some good tips as well and, and you know she she sort of mentions just really trying to focus on the good stuff and that can be hard but you know focus on the fact that you do have some clients to work for that you are have got positive feedback you know and just think about that you know I often I'm very big on trying to get testimonials we've talked about that in a previous podcast so if I'm having a really bad day sometimes I'll read through my old testimonials just to make myself feel better and I have a little folder on my desk called nice things um where if somebody writes something nice about me on social media or sends me a little thank you note sometimes I screenshot it and I put it in there and that can be good because you know our brain's play tricks on us and things go wrong and it can seem like the end of the world but then you forget all this great stuff that's happened as well yeah that's a really good idea um and Catherine elizabeth actually she mentioned a tip of remembering that a big part of copywriting is creative and therefore subjective and not everyone will connect with your tone that's what she said and you know it goes back to the comments we made earlier where um you're being paid to write some copy for someone else so this is not you getting to wax lyrical um on the page you're doing a job for someone else in exchange for some money so you need to meet their brief and their needs and for me that can take a lot of the pressure off my writing funnily enough because I'm doing it for something else what they want is what I'm trying to hook into yeah I agree and I think you know to kind of wrap up I think um, with confidence it's important to kind of maybe even make a note of these feelings when you have them that sounds a bit over the top but I do know some people that have like a little book on their desk and they you know when they're having kind of things they're worrying about they put them down in the book that can be quite cathartic but also you can look back and go I have the same worries again and again and again so every couple of weeks I start worrying about money or I start working I'm not a very good copywriter and almost that can be reassuring again because it's like you know this is just me this is just part of life but also you can try and put some strategies in place to kind of go I know that this is going to be something I'm going to worry about again so what can I do to make myself feel better can I go and find a mentor can I go and join an online community can I write a script to handle that situation can I come up with some mild stones in my calendar that are going to make me think I'm going to get more work in on that particular date because I'm going to do x you know don't just let it wash over you and then the next day it's gone and you forget about it and then it comes again you know try and take action does that make sense yes I think that's the best tip yet actually that's freaking brilliant I, I'm on a roll today you are that is really really good it's all about self-analysis and self-awareness because you if you can come up with some strategies to mitigate the fear you're halfway there. Exactly. Well, look, that's it for today. We think we've covered off confidence pretty well, but if you have any confidence wobbles that you'd like to share with us, then please head to our website, uh, www.hotcopypodcast.com and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode. 
Let's end the show with a shout out to one of our listeners. And today I have picked, oh, I've lost them, Flick Den. I'm sure that's not a real first name. Um, and it says, without doubt, one of my fave podcasts. I get loads of helpful tips and insights. I love listening to Kate and Belinda. I only have one criticism. Are you ready, Belinda? I'm ready. I wish they recorded it more often. <laughs> We love you, Flick Dan. Keep up the good work. Keep up the good work, ladies. Do you know, Flick Dan, if you can find someone to clone us, then we would love to come out with some podcasts more regularly too. We would. And I just want to say um, thank you very much for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Your review will help others find us and we'll give you a shout out on the show. So uh, thanks, Belinda. That was great. Yes, thank you, Kate. Until next time, happy writing. I'm too close to the mic. I'm sorry. I will not be so close to the mic. I will move away and I will start again. Okay, sorry. I had it like literally in my mouth. It's <laughs> rude. Oh, no, it's rude and unpleasant for our listeners. Okay, let's try again.